ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد carrying on then from where we left off last week it was on the section where the author was mentioning some of the ayat and we got to the ayah where he says wadhkur lahu qawlahu ta'ala and mentioned to him the statement of Allah wa yawma yahshuruhum jami'an thumma yaqulu lil malaikati ahaula'i iyyakum kanu kanu ya'budun qalu subhanaka anta waliyyuna min dunihim bal kanu ya'budun al-jinna aktharuhum bihim mu'minun mentioned to him the statement of Allah and on that day when he will resurrect them all and then he will say to the angels that did they used to worship you are these the ones who used to worship you and then they will say subhanaka anta waliyuna min dunihim bal kanu ya'budun al-jinn they will say subhanaka meaning that you are free of any deficiencies and any such speech that anybody should be worshipped besides you rather kanu ya'budun al-jinn they used to worship the jinn aktharuhum bihim mu'minun that the majority of them they believe in them here a sheikh al sheikh in the explanation says fa'arafta min hadhihi al-ayat أن من المشركين من يدعو الأولياء والصالحين ومنهم من يدعو الأنبياء ومنهم من يدعو الملائكة. You now see from these ayat we've mentioned last time and today that there were some of the mushrikun who used to call upon the righteous, the awliya, and there were others who used to call upon the prophets. And there were others who used to call upon the angels وَأَنَّ الْآيَاتِ مِنْهَا مَا نَزَلَ فِي مَنْ يَعْبُدُ الْأَوْلِيَاءِ وَبَعْضُهَا فِي مَنْ يَعْبُدُ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ وَبَعْضُهَا فِي مَنْ يَعْبُدُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ That these ayat, some of them were revealed regarding those who called upon or worshipped the righteous and some of these ayat were revealed regarding those who worship the prophets and some of them were revealed regarding those who worship the angels why are we making this point why is the author making this point why has he mentioned all of these different ayat highlighting that they used to call upon the angels and the prophets and the righteous because the point we were discussing was their claim that these ayat of shirk that we previously mentioned are not 
applicable to them. They are only applicable to the mushrikun who used to worship only idols. But the author has now highlighted to us that simply isn't true. It simply isn't the case. They didn't only used to worship the idols. They used to worship and call upon prophets and angels and righteous just as they do now. So that argument of theirs, that these ayat are not applicable to us, they are only applicable to the mushrikun who worshipped idols and statues. We tell them actually, those mushrikun, they didn't just worship idols and statues, they used to call upon the righteous too, and they used to call upon the prophets too, and they used to call upon the angels too, and yet those ayat were applicable to them, so they are applicable to you. They were applicable to those mushrikun, and so they are applicable to you, because just like they used to call upon righteous and prophets and angels, then that's exactly what you do. You call upon the so-called awliya and salihun, the righteous and the imams, you call upon them now, that's what they used to do. And also the author says, وَقَوْلَهُ تَعَالَى And the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَإِذْ قَالَ اللَّهُ يَا عِيسَ بَنَ مَرْيَمَ أَأَنْتَ قُلْتَ لِلنَّاسِ اتَّخِذُونِي وَأُمِّيَ إِلَهَيْنِ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ قال سبحانك ما يكون لي أن أقول ما ليس لي بحق إن كنت قلته فقد علمته تعلم ما في نفسي ولا أعلم ما في نفسك إنك أنت علام الغيوب When it will be said When Allah will say to Isa the son of Maryam Did you say to the people to take me i.e. to take you and your mother as two deities besides Allah? Did you say to the people to take you and your mother as two deities besides Allah? He will say, Subhanaka. In English they say, Glory be to you. May you be glorified. And the meaning of that is, May you be free of any deficiency, of any such statement. May you be free, and you are free, not may you, but you are. You are free of any such deficiency. You are free of this type of statement, of this type of claim. Subhanaka, ma yakunu li anakula ma laysa li bihaq. It would not be for me to say something I have no right to say. In kuntu qultuhu faqad alimta. If I had said that, you would know. You know what is in of myself, and I do not know what is in of you. Indeed, you are the one who is all-knowing of all of the affairs and the hidden affairs. The Shaykh says in the explanation, وَهُوَ تَعَالَىٰ أَعْلَمُ أَنَّ عِيسَىٰ لَمْ يَقُلْ ذَلِكَ When this occurs, and Isa is questioned about that, doesn't Allah already know that Isa salam didn't do that? Of course, absolutely Allah already knows. 
that Isa alayhi salam did not call to himself and did not call to be worshipped besides Allah, that is already known. So what is the purpose of this? Al-Murad Nutquhu ala ru'usil ashhad wa bayanu butlani ibadatihim lah wa annahu lam yirda bithalika But this will be as a means of open testimony open testimony in front of the masses that day Isa alayhi salam openly upon the masses will declare his innocence of this, will declare his innocence of those who worshipped him, declare his innocence of this statement of calling to the worship of himself or his mother. Upon the witnessing of the masses, he will declare his innocence from those affairs and highlight the falsehood of all of this worship of theirs that they directed to him. And he will uh, highlight that he is not pleased with that whatsoever. And that comes in with regards to the definition of Taghut. What is one of the categories mentioned regarding the Taghut? The one who is the one who is worshipped besides Allah. Man min wa and is pleased with it. Isa alayhi salam was worshipped besides Allah, but he is not pleased with it. He is not pleased that he should be worshipped besides Allah. He is not pleased and he did not call to that, rather he rejected that. And on the day of judgment he will declare his innocence of that. And he will falsify what they were upon. So that is therefore not within the definition of Taghut. It should be noted, Taghut is not the one who is worshipped besides Allah. But Taghut is the one who is worshipped besides Allah. And he calls to that or is pleased with that. Isa alayhi salam obviously is not. So this is another example where those mushrikun, their affair will be exposed on that day. And Isa alayhi salam will declare his innocence of the shirk that they committed alongside Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in calling upon Isa and declaring him to have the characteristics of al-rububiyyah in him and al-uluhiyyah. فَقُلَّهُ عَرَفْتَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ كَفَّرَ مَنْ قَصَدَ الْأَصْنَامِ وَكَفَّرَ أَيْضًا مَنْ قَصَدَ الصَّالِحِينَ وَقَاتَلَهُمْ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ وَلَمْ يُفَرِّقْ بَيْنَهُمْ So now he makes this very clear point. And all of it is very clear step by step. He says, now you know then that Allah declared those who were seeking from the idols, calling upon the idols, worshipping the idols, Allah declared them as disbelievers. But also those who were calling upon the righteous and making dua to the righteous, 
and calling upon the awliya, the anbiya, Allah declared them as kuffar, because their action is still an action of shirk. And that's why it mentions in Al-Qawaid Al-Arba' Regardless of who they call upon, the fact is that they have committed the act of calling upon others besides Allah. Regardless of who or what the others are, they've committed the act of calling upon others. And that act is an act of shirk. Regardless of where the end is, who they are calling upon, the point is, whoever it is, whatever it is, it is besides Allah. So it is all shirk. Even if it be the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they are calling upon besides Allah. The point is, they are calling upon him besides Allah. And that's what makes it shirk in the first place. So they were all declared as disbelievers. وَقَاتَلَهُمْ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمُ وَلَمْ يُفَرِّقْ بَيْنَهُمْ And the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fought against them all and did not differentiate between them. بَلْ جَعَلَ سَبِيلَهُمْ وَاحِدًا Rather he made all of them upon one pathway, declared them all to be upon the same pathway, the pathway of shirk. وَإِن تَفَرَّقَتْ مَعْبُودَاتُهُمْ Even if who they were worshipping was different, some of them stars, some of them moon, some of them sun, some of them the prophets, some of them the angels, some of them the trees, what they were worshipping was all different. فَكُلُّهَا رَاجِعَ إِلَى شَيْءٍ وَاحِدٍ but all of that, regardless of what they were calling upon, returns back to the same thing. And that is the worship of others besides Allah, alongside Allah, regardless of who or what those others are. وَبِذَلِكَ إِنْكَشَفَتْ شُبْهَتُهُ وَانْدَحَضَتْ حُجَّتُهُ and so, with this explanation, this doubt of theirs is exposed. And this claim and evidence of theirs is destroyed. وَأَنَّهُ فِي غَايَةِ الْجُهَالَةِ عَمَّا جَاءَ بِهِ الرَّسُولِ صلى الله عليه وسلم. And that this individual making such a claim is at the pinnacle of ignorance in regards to what the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم came with. So now that this is done, you've now clarified to him that the ayat are applicable to you. And that you can't use this argument that those ayat regarding shirk were only about the mushrikun who used to worship idols. That claim of yours is incorrect in the first place. They didn't only worship idols, they worshipped and called upon the righteous and the prophets just like you. So that argument of his is dead. And there are ayat from the Qur'an proving that they called upon Isa alayhi salam, the angels, the prophets. So that is done. فَإِنْ قَالْ But then if he says, فَإِنْ قَالْ If he then says, 
الكفار يريدون منهم وأنا أشهد أن الله هو النافع الضار المدبر لا أريد إلا منه والصالحون ليس لهم من الأمر شيء ولكن أقصدهم أرجو من الله شفاعتهم If he now says But the kuffar of that time He wants to again try and make now another difference Another differentiation between himself And the kuffar at the time of the mushrikun To again try to prove from another angle That all of those evidences and everything What's being said about the mushrikun then Isn't applicable to now He's gonna now try another angle in one of his doubts, the third doubt now, another angle to try and show that everything about the mushrikun isn't applicable here. So now his angle is to say that the kuffar of that time, the mushrikun, yuriduna minhum, they were calling upon all of these I, idols and statues and righteous and prophets and angels because he now has to admit that part we've done it he admits okay they used to call upon all of these including prophets and angels and righteous but they used to call upon them in a different way to how we do that's what he's gonna say now he's gonna say they used to call upon them actually wanting from them Basically wanting dua to be answered from them That they are gonna answer their dua He says as for us I bear witness That, the, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He is the one who benefits and harms And he is the one who disposes of the affairs I don't want anything from them I'm not asking them to answer my dua for me I know Allah is the one who benefits and harms and controls the affairs. So I am not asking anything from them to give me. Because these righteous people, he'll say, They don't control anything. They don't control anything. I'm not asking of them to answer my dua. But I'm only calling upon them basically as a means of seeking intercession. I'm not calling upon them, asking them to answer my dua. That's what the kuffar and the mushrikun used to do, he says. So they, they were wrong, and they were upon shirk, because they were calling upon these others besides Allah, asking of them, and wanting from them. We testify Allah is the one who controls the affairs, we only want and ask from Allah. We're not asking anything from them. We're not asking them to answer our dua or give us anything or control anything. We are just asking through them because we are seeking that to be a means of intercession only. That by going through these righteous people, as we've said before, our dua has more chance of being answered by Allah. They say, ultimately, I want my dua to be answered from Allah. 
I testify Allah is the one who controls the affairs. But I'm just going through these righteous people, via these righteous people, because that will give me a greater chance of my dua to be answered from Allah ultimately. So they'll say, how is that shirk? They'll say at the end of the day, I'm making a dua which I am wanting to be answered from Allah. And I admit and I acknowledge and I accept the dead in the graves don't control anything. And I'm not making any call upon them for them to answer my dua and give me anything. Everything back to Allah. But I'm just going through them to basically give myself more chance of acceptance. To seek intercession via them. And remember the definition of intercession, that you attach somebody to yourself in order to, uh, uh, so that the person then speaks on your behalf. It's like, you know, anything with these days, you want to get something from a person, you need to borrow somebody's car. You need to borrow one of the brother's car. But you don't really know that brother that well. But you know another brother who's very close to you, who is also very close to that other brother with the car. So then you come to this guy and say to him, go and speak to him and sort it out for me. Go and speak to him and ask him, you know, uh, somebody you know very well and trust and everything, can you get the car for a day? So then that guy goes and speaks on his behalf because he knows him very well. And so that person is now the intermediary, the intercession has occurred. For me to get the car off that person via this other individual who mutually knows him and me very well. That's intercession. And that's what they are claiming. That these people, righteous individuals are of high status, high rank. We are not. So we make our dua through them in order for our dua to have more chance of being accepted. But ultimately, it is Allah we are seeking our answer from. Ultimately, we know they don't control anything. Ultimately, we don't want anything from them. We want it from Allah. So you can't put us into the same category as the mushrikun of old because they did want from them. And they were calling upon the dead for it to be answered by them. So we are completely different to them. The doubt is clear. The doubt is clear what they are trying to say and how they are trying to differentiate. So then how do we reply to that? Faljawab, the answer to that. Anna and this is an easier one to be honest. You say to them, all of this explanation you've given, it is in fact, in reality, exactly what the mushrikun used to say. They used to say, we're not asking of them, we know they don't control anything, we know it's only from Allah, but they are just the intermediary. All of this explanation of yours, in reality, that's exactly what the mushrikun used to say. Your claim that they were actually calling from them to give them, and they actually wanted them to answer to them. That isn't true. What you are claiming now, that's what they actually used to claim. Exactly the same. That it's from Allah we want. Not from these idols or anything. But they are just gonna get us there. 
They are just gonna get us there. So it was intercession that they claimed. This is the statement of the kuffar exactly. And then recite upon him the statement of Allah. Recite upon him the statement from the Qur'an where Allah told us about the mushrikun that they would say مَا نَعْبُدُهُمْ إِلَّا إِلَى اللَّهِ That we don't worship them except that they will bring us closer to Allah. So it's exactly what this person is claiming now. They weren't wanting from them. They were simply wanting intercession via them to gain closeness to Allah, which is exactly what they claim now. That's exactly what they claim now. We are sinners. Our dua can't be answered. We have to go via the great awliya. They will take our dua to Allah. That's exactly what they say. I've heard it with my own ears from some of these. Is it Victoria Park Mosque? What's it called? Victoria Park Mosque. I've heard it with my own ears exactly that. We are sinners. These are righteous people. They will take our dua to Allah for us. That's why we ask. That's all. I've heard that. Not that I'm declaring anybody as kuffar, but I'm just saying. I've heard that statement. And that's an important thing actually as a side point. Takfir of a person cannot just be done lightly. We're learning these principles, we're learning these arguments. If somebody now came from Victoria Park and said that, you can't say, okay, kafir. You cannot say that. You cannot say that of anyone just like that, that it's a, a disbeliever, a kafir. They said to a Sheikh Al-Fawzan, but Sheikh, al-ilm, somebody who's studied and has knowledge and ability and read into all these affairs and has some deep knowledge of this affair and all these matters. So then, when he sees a person upon the corruption and he can implement all of that and he recognizes the rules and the laws and the principles and the ayat and the evidences, can he declare X person a kafir then? He is upon understanding and knowledge and knows, evidences, everything. Can he declare somebody a kafir? Basically, in a nutshell, the Shaykh said, No, that isn't for you. That is for the ulama. And in the Muslim countries, he said, take them to the court. Take that person to the court, the evidences will be established and they will decide whether the ruling upon him is kufr or not. So you don't make rulings like that on people on specifics. That is a much more detailed affair which comes afterwards, but at least now you understand the principles of it all and the evidences of Tawheed and what opposes it from shirk. So, it mentions in this ayah that they used to say we only call upon them so that they bring us closer to Allah and they would say وَيَقُولُونَ هَؤُلَاءِ شُفَعَاؤُنَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ These are our intercessors with Allah. These are our intercessors with Allah. That's what they used to claim. Meaning we're not asking anything of them. We're not asking anything of them to give us 
They are just our intercessors with Allah. They are just our intermediaries to Allah. We're not asking them for anything. And that's exactly what the mushrikun they do now. So then the shaykh says, وَعَلَمْ أَنَّ هَذِهِ الشُّبَهَ الثَّلَاثَ هِيَ أَكْبَرُ مَا عِنْدَهُمْ This opening section, this is the greatest of the doubts they have. Meaning, now the rest of the book, it's like subsections of these doubts. So you will see some overlap in the answers. Because a lot of the doubts that come now, basically they are branches from these earlier three doubts. These are the major doubts they have, and the major attempts they make. Everything else, in reality, it can all be answered with these answers as a basis, and then more specific answers to the specific points that they make. So you'll see now the rest of the affairs are not as great as these, they are more specific points, but what about this and but what about that? And then you reply to those. But these are the greatest of what they have. And know that these three doubts, they are the biggest of what they have, the greatest of what they have. فَإِذَا عَرَفْتَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ وَضَّحَهَا فِي كِتَابِهِ وَفَهِمْتَهَا فَهْمًا جَيِّدًا فَمَا بَعْدَهَا أَيْسَرُ مِنْهَا So if you know that Allah has clarified these major doubts of theirs already in the Qur'an, and you understand that well, and you understand those clarifications well, then what comes afterwards now will be easier than this. What comes afterwards will be easier than this. The Shaykh says in the explanation, يَعْنِي إِذَا صَارَ هَذِهِ سُهُولَةُ رَدِّ أَعْظَمِ شُبَهِهِمْ فَغَيْرُهَا بِطَرِيقِ الْأَوْلَىٰ أَسْهَلْ وَأَسْهَلْ That if these are the three major doubts they have, and the rest are kind of like branches from them and more specifics of them, and yet these three major doubts are actually very simply answered with ayat of the Qur'an, with very simple straightforward explanations, it wasn't complicated. There are ayat of the Qur'an proving that the claims they were making and the statements they were making were false in the first place. And the differentiations they were trying to make between themselves and the kuffar don't exist. So that is proven easily by the Qur'an. And he says, if that's how easily you can really refute these major doubts, then what comes afterwards will be even easier to refute. It will be even easier to deal with. So then, going on to some of those, we'll mention one today then. The fourth doubt now. الشُبْهَةُ الرَّابِعَةُ So if he then says, if this person then says, أَنَا لَا أَعْبُدُ إِلَّا اللَّهِ He says, look, I do not worship anyone except Allah. وَهَذَا الْالْتِجَاءُ إِلَى الصَّالِحِينَ وَدُعَاءَهُمْ وَدُعَاءُهُمْ لَيْسَ بِعِبَادَةٍ And he says, this recourse, us turning 
to the righteous and to the dead, or turning to the righteous and resorting to the righteous and making dua to them. This isn't even classed as ibadah. It's not even classed as ibadah. This isn't even worship in the first place, such that you can say we're committing shirk. So then say to him, أَنْتَ تُقِرُّ أَنَّ اللَّهَ افْتَرَضَ عَلَيْكَ إِخْلَاصَ الْعِبَادَةَ لِلَّهِ Say to him, do you acknowledge that Allah has prescribed upon you sincerity in worship? Do you acknowledge that Allah has obligated upon you, prescribed upon you to have sincerity in worship? And this is the point we made a while ago. When you're looking at doubts or refuting the people of innovation and uh, their misguidances, you initially need to know the actual principles and aqidah of Ahlul Sunnah. That's how you begin. You don't begin with the doubts. You begin with some establishment in learning the principles and the basis. Then you can go on to their doubts and refuti- refuting them. This is an example. Now the Shaykh is saying, so firstly when you're replying to them, say to them, do you acknowledge that Allah has made sincerity obligatory upon you in your worship? And the Shaykh doesn't elaborate right there, because right there, you are supposed to know that the answer to that is, yes, you already are supposed to know as a Sunni, that of course the answer to that is yes, you know that. If you don't know that, then you don't even understand why you're asking the mushrik that question. Which means this discussion doesn't make sense to you. So it's only going to make sense knowing the basis, knowing that yes, Allah has commanded us to be upon sincerity in worship. So now you understand where the argument's going. You're saying to him, do you acknowledge that Allah has obligated upon us sincerity in worship? فَإِذَا قَالَ So if he says, نَعَمْ He says, yes, yes. He acknowledges that because he's not going to say no. He's not going to say no, it is not obligatory upon us to be sincere in worship to Allah. Of course he will say, yes, yes. We have to be sincere in our worship to Allah. Of course he's going to have to say yes to that. So in قَالَ فَإِذَا قَالَ نَعَمْ so if he then says, yes, and that is no doubt what he has to say, because if he did say no, then, then you can pack up your books if you can go home. <laughs> if he says no, that's it, finished, don't need to do the rest. If he says no, there's no sincerity in worship to Allah. That's the end, finished. So he's obviously going to have to say yes. فَقُلَّهُ And then say to him, in that case, بَيِّنْ لِي هَذَا الَّذِي فَرَضَهُ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكَ وَهُوَ إِخْلَاصُ الْعِبَادَةِ لِلَّهِ وَهُوَ حَقُّهُ عَلَيْكَ Say to him, okay, in that case, in that case, since you accept that our worship needs to be upon sincerity to Allah, clarify to me then, 
you go ahead and clarify to me then, what is this obligation of sincerity in worship that Allah has obligated upon us and which is a right of Allah upon us? You tell me what that is then. You clarify to me what sincerity is then. Because he's already acknowledged we have to be upon sincerity in worship. So you say to him, you go ahead and tell me then, what is this sincerity we need to be upon? What is this obligation? What is this right of Allah upon us? Just like in the hadith of Mu'adh, when it was said, The right of Allah upon his servants is that they worship him alone and do not associate partners with him. So then you tell him, you explain to me what this sincerity is then. And then the Shaykh says, فَإِنَّهُ لَا يَعْرِفُ الْعِبَادَةَ وَلَا أَنْوَاعَهَا You will then realize, you will then realize that they, this person will not have a clue about the reality of what worship is or what the types of worship are and how sincerity works in them. He will not in reality have any clue regarding that. So then, when you realize that from him, and this is a standard type of discussion. Uh, uh, somebody comes to you and they say, we know all about Tawheed. Now we're going to go talk about the rulers and this and that and everything else. We know Tawheed, simple. Say to him, go ahead, you explain Tawheed to me then. It's simple, it's easy. You're telling me we can move on to the rulers and everything. Just give me a minute and explain Tawheed to me first then so I can get to your level and then we can talk about the rulers. You'll realize he cannot. So then when you realize he doesn't know and he can't explain it to you, then the next step you're going to take is you're going to explain it to him. And as a consequence of you explaining it to him, 
it's going to become clear that he is upon misguidance in his belief. And it's going to become clear that he is upon misunderstanding in his position. When you clarify the reality of Tawheed to him, and you clarify the reality of sincerity to him, and that, inshallah ta'ala then, is what will begin with next time, the clarification that you will then give regarding sincerity and regarding dua and regarding worship, and will set a very easy homework. A very easy homework to that. What is the definition in Arabic, the actual Arabic? I'm making it a bit harder then. What is the definition in Arabic that Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah gave for worship and the reference of where he said it? What is the definition Shaykh al-Islam gave for ibadah and the reference for where he said it? It's not in the book, is it? Okay. So that's the homework, very easy one, very easy one. Any questions or anything then? We have a couple of minutes. So people when they are in distress, uh, they send salam, salam, salam from the Prophet mm. Is that um, correct? And if not, is it, does it fall into shit? Sending a salat was salam upon the Prophet anytime, that's okay. Sending the prayers and salutations upon the Prophet that in of itself isn't a problem. But what can be a problem, because bid'ah is two types. One is the bid'ah asliyah, and the second is the bid'ah idafiyah. The bid'ah asliyah is when somebody makes up something from the very basis. Brand new, just make it up out of thin air. The bid'ah idafiyah is what? Where something is actually legitimate it's an action from the sunnah but the way that they are doing it or the number of times that they are doing it or that the actual timing of when they are doing it the method of how they are doing it various other add-ons make that action which was actually sunnah in its basis now a bid'ah because of these add-ons that's what idafa means it is added on to it a specific time when they do it, a specific number that they do. Now, you got to read this 2,000 times every night. Who told you 2,000 times every night? The dua is actually a dua in the sunnah, authentic. But is it there that you have to read it 2,000 every night? That isn't. So something can be sunnah, but the way it's done and what's been added on to it can make it bid'ah. So in the very basis of sending the salat and the salam upon the Prophet, nothing wrong with that at all. But there may be certain times and places and other add-ons that they attach to it that could make it an action that is incorrect. Anything else? We touched upon the dua and then sometimes people make a statement like somebody is sick and they say make dua for me because you are sick, your dua will be accepted. Uh, somebody says to the sick person, you make dua for me. Well, you know, from the Salaf, there's an example from Tawus. And I forgot if he was the one who was sick or he was the one visiting somebody else who was sick. And in that narration from the Salaf, it mentions one of the Salaf visited the other one. Uh, and because the other one was sick, so one of them went to visit the sick one. And the one... And the sick one said to the one who came to visit him, make dua for me. The sick one 
said to the one who came to visit him, make dua for me. He said to him, make dua for yourself. Because in your situation now, in this time of need, in this time of poverty before your Lord, in this illness, then it's a good time for you to make dua. And your dua will be answered. So there may be a basis to the understanding of the affair. But uh, asking people to make dua for you, we touched upon that last time, it's not something you get into a habit of anyway. You don't randomly keep going to people, make dua for me, make dua for me, make dua for me. So it's not something that a person should become accustomed to. And even in these types of circumstances, it's not something maybe a person should become accustomed to doing. A person needs to make dua, and we're going to come to that next week. Regarding dua and making dua and how this is an act of worship and it's mentioned as the core of worship. Dua, ad-dua huwa al-ibadah. The hadith mentions dua, it is ibadah. Like it is mentioned, al-hajju arafah. Indicating dua is one of the greatest aspects of worship in the religion. Uh, you know, you mentioned regarding takfir. Um, does that say applies to calling someone a mushrik as well? Calling somebody a mushrik is, uh, it depends what you're talking about again. The term mushrik, ashraka, yushriku, mushrik, shirk is of two types, minor and major. But it's not a term that you would yutlaq. It's not a term that you would just say somebody's a mushrik because the default of the understanding of that would be that you are declaring them as kafir if you call somebody a mushrik. So that isn't a term that you would declare upon Muslims. We'll have to stop. It's time for the prayer. We'll carry on, inshallah ta'ala. Next week is it 9 or quarter to 9? It's going to be 9. 9, same time, 8 p.m. next week then, inshallah.